Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Browns. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And a good Monday night, Tuesday morning to you, Browns fans. Thanks for stopping by this Locked On Browns podcast. So I have to apologize for the late posts on this Monday after our loss to the Cincinnati Bengals uh, in preparation for tomorrow when the city of Cleveland is the center of the sports world. Uh, I traveled up to Sandusky, Ohio, so uh, many of you know that I live in Dayton, uh, but originally I'm from Sandusky, Ohio, so I traveled home this evening after a long day at work, traveled home, and then we'll be traveling over to Cleveland tomorrow, uh, probably get there about 10, 10.30, uh, just to kind of be in the city, uh, going to interview a couple people, spend some time, and then I'll be covering the Cavs game tomorrow night as uh, a part of my coverage for Scout Media uh, and then obviously we'll have the, the World Series going on, game one. And so uh, the three-hour trip up here, uh, spent a little time with my parents, uh, delayed everything. So I apologize for that. But we are podcasting uh, daily, Monday through Friday, as a part of the Locked On Browns podcast network, or the Locked On network. And so this Locked On Browns podcast is here for you. And so we have a lot to go over. Again, my name is Jared Mueller. I am your host. You can get me on Twitter at Jared K. Mueller. That's J-A-R-E-D-K-M-U-E-L-L-E-R. So let's just dive right into yesterday's uh, Browns-Bengals game. And again, another loss. Not that anybody's really surprised. You know, the, the Browns have showed that winning games doesn't seem to be realistic for them at this point in time. They've had a few uh, close calls against some lesser teams. The Bengals, even though their record... Uh, was 2-4 and four coming to this game, were not one of those lesser teams. Their four losses all came against very quality opponents. And now their three wins, including yesterday against the Browns, came against some kind of lesser opponents, which puts them about where I expect them to be. They are a 500-type club, uh, maybe a little bit better, depending on if they can get some some uh, development out of some of their other players than obviously getting Tyler Eifert back. But um, what a day for... Uh, Jeremy Hill and A.J. Green. Hill, nine rushing attempts, just nine, 168 yards, averaged 18.7 yards per carry and had his one touchdown. 168 yards on nine carries. Obviously, his long 74-yard carry uh, made for uh, a little less than half of that, but good gracious, is that a lot of rushing yards to give up? And so there's not just one person to blame for that. That is a defense that uh, just got torched in the running game, and Hill made us pay. Uh, Giovanni Bernard also got 80 yards, but his uh, on 17 carries, a, a really stellar 4.7 yard per carry average with only a long of 17 yards. And so all in all, the Bengals had 30 carries for 271 yards. Ouch. And obviously they had the big long 74-yard run, but just in general, Ouch, that is ugly and hard to read. And then you go to A.J. Green, eight targets, 
eight receptions, 169 yards, 21.1 uh, yards for, per reception average, and a 48 uh, was his long for one and one touchdown. But again, eight targets, eight receptions, didn't really make it difficult to him. Allowed Andy Dalton to end up with 308 yards passing, two touchdowns, no interceptions, and 128.3 uh, quarterback rating. Ouch. So gave up almost 300 yards rushing, gave up over 300 yards passing. The Browns really didn't have a chance. But then when we look at kind of their side of the ledger, uh, losing Cody Kessler uh, in the second quarter was tough, obviously with a concussion. He's hoping to play next week. But he had played well, uh, 9 of 11, 82 yards. It's hard to remember that uh, late in the second quarter, the Browns were just down four. Um, and had they not called a timeout, again, whether or not that would have made a difference in the actual outcome of the game uh, is probably unrealistic. But had they not called a timeout, they would have gone into half just down four, getting the ball after halftime. Instead, they called a timeout when the Bengals had the ball, hoping that maybe they'd get a chance to get the ball back. Instead, uh, A.J. Green made his circus juggling catch on a Hail Mary pass from Andy Dalton that uh, looked like a punt with a with an extremely good hang time. And so um, losing Kessler hurt a lot. Um, Kevin Hogan came in. He attempted 24 passes, only completed half of those for 100 yards. Nothing good. <laughs> Two interceptions for Hogan. Uh, his rushing was really what stood out to everyone. Um, he ran the ball seven times, so he pretty much took over Pryor's role. Um, as kind of the wildcat when Kessler was still in the game uh, and did very, very well in that role. And then obviously had a couple other runs when he took over as the full-time quarterback, but seven attempts for 104 yards, uh, a 15-yard per carry average, and he had his touchdown. And so got a lot of people excited. We'll talk about Kevin Hogan here in just a little while. But besides that, really a, a game that uh, for the Browns is just forgettable. Uh, not a lot to get excited about. Pryor didn't get a lot of time on the field, uh, didn't look very good. Um, so really the question is whether they should have played him at all if he was going to look kind of that limited. Um, Britton Colquitt punted the ball five times for 209 yards. That's kind of a big number. That's what happens when you punt that much, even after uh, the Browns uh, had their two interceptions. And so... Um, so just all in all, a game that Browns fans probably aren't that excited about, even though they were really in the game going into uh, late in the second quarter. Really, that A.J. Green touchdown seemed to really uh, pop the balloon along with the fact that um, Kessler was out. So uh, just some other interesting things looking at kind of time on the field uh, yesterday, both on the offense and defense. Kessler only got 31% of the snaps going out injured. Um Pryor only had 48% of the snaps uh, due to his injury. Uh, compare that to Ricardo Lewis, who had 78% of the snaps at wide receiver. Andrew Hawkins had 58%. Higgins had 48%, uh, the same as Pryor. And so you can see why uh, Pryor was so limited. Uh, Jordan Payton even had 14%. And so just not a lot of playing time. But then on the offensive line, we saw um, some rotation which is strange for an offensive line. We saw Sean Coleman come in and play some snaps at right tackle. Um, we saw Elvin, Elvin Bailey come in. Um, obviously, once when Spencer Drango was hurt, saw him come back in. 
when Cameron Irving went out uh, ill, uh, which is what he made many Browns fans feel with his blocking. And so just a lot of uh, difficulty on the offensive side of the ball. Um, besides Hogan's running, uh, Isaiah Crowell had some good runs. Um, besides that, not a lot of really, really to call home about. Uh, to really hang their hat on. And then defensively, obviously, we went over the numbers, almost 300 yards rushing, over 300 yards passing, nothing really there outside of Emmanuel Agba, who played in 90% of the snaps, um, got his sacks, uh, made some pressures, was playing in uh, coverage a little bit, really started to show out. It was kind of his game. One of the interesting things is they played Agba um, on the offense's right side, so which would be the defense's left so he was the left outside linebacker uh rushing behind carl nassim and so uh seemed to have a little bit more success that way uh it would be very tough to uh, battle both the length and quickness of both nassim and agba and that paid off and so that's something that hopefully the browns can kind of benefit from can they kind of learn and grow how they want to do things um, for some teams, you want to put two kind of pass rushers like Nassib and Agba on opposite sides of the of the field to attack both ways. But that they're not good enough yet on their own to really make that impact. But together, it looks like uh, they really can continue uh, to grow and make an impact together. And so expect to see that more often defensively in the defensive backfield with Joe Hayden out. Uh, Tracy Howard, Jamar Taylor, and Traymon Williams played every single snap. Those three guys are playing every single snap as your defensive backs. You are in a lot of trouble. And so, obviously, the Browns were in a lot of trouble last night. And just not a lot to go on. Daddy, where do babies come from? Uh, well, uh... Honey? Mommy went to the store. Oh, well, you see, um... Well, there's a mommy and a daddy, right? Right. And see, when they call Geico, uh, they could save a bunch of money on car insurance. Oh, really? And that makes them happy? Yes, that makes them very happy. That's good. Yeah. Well, I'm glad we could have this talk, sunshine. (laughs) Geico, because saving 15% or more on car insurance is always a great answer. And for the last two segments, just want to talk a little bit about uh, Kevin Hogan, and then we'll talk about the Joe Thomas trade rumors. And so starting with Hogan, there are actually some people who are excited about Kevin Hogan. I am obviously not one of them. He completed 50% 50 of his passes. As a fifth-round pick, he was cut by the Kansas City Chiefs before even making the regular season roster. That tells you what Andy Reid and his group thought of Kevin Hogan. They spent a fifth-round pick on him. Again, that was a low fifth-round pick. But they spent a fifth-round pick on him, and they didn't even let him make uh, their original roster. And then from everything that we've heard, they didn't really push to sign him to the practice squad either, which tells you everything you need to know about what Hogan showed them. So yesterday, Hogan ran the ball, got people excited. He was making first downs. He was a playmaker. All he did was make something happen. Does that sound familiar at all? I think it's funny that there's this this Tebow mania thing that happened a few years ago, and you get to hear a lot of those same kind of descriptions. Oh, he's a winner. He just makes things happen. He makes plays. Yeah, he's not good enough to play quarterback in the NFL. And Hogan has a lot of that. There's a lot of uh, talk about how good of a teammate, how hard he works. Uh, looks like he can run the ball a little bit. Um, but they both have this huge looping kind of delivery that takes for 
forever for the ball to get there. Even on when he was trying to kind of run the ball or get rid of the ball or run with the ball and make plays kind of with his legs and then throw the ball or um, just trying to throw the ball away, it took a good two or three seconds from the time that he decided to throw the ball till the ball actually went out of his hands. And so when you talk about quarterbacks like Tom Brady, obviously one of the best, the ball is out of his hands in like 1.4 seconds, I believe. With Hogan, it is two to three seconds from the time he makes the decision until the ball is out of his hands. We're not talking about snap to throw. We're talking about decision to throw. And so um, it's funny that Tebow mania was kind of what we had to deal with because now we have Hogan mania. And for those of you old school wrestling fans, you'll remember that as Hulkamania. And so um, hopefully Hogan mania does not kind of catch on with fans. Um, it is exciting. It was nice to see him as a kind of change of change of pace quarterback since Pryor couldn't play and they didn't want to kind of have Kessler getting hurt there. Um, but there was nothing I saw yesterday that told me that Hogan should ever play in the NFL as a quarterback. Whether they can figure out how to get him involved in other ways, a la Terrell Pryor, that's a different conversation. But I think today uh, the Browns kind of told you what they thought of Kevin Hogan. Today they claimed quarterback Joe Callahan from the New Orleans Saints. Callahan was with the Green Bay Packers earlier this season, I'm sorry, in the preseason and um, and during the regular season. And so um, the Packers really wanted to keep him around, made some other decisions. Sounds like Mike McCarthy wasn't exactly happy about how it all worked out. Uh, but the Browns are kind of saying what they think of Kevin Hogan. I wouldn't be surprised to see him uh, cut relatively soon. Uh, after they get a couple days to look at Callahan and how he's doing, uh, because what they saw from Kevin Hogan has to tell them he's not going to be good enough. And so uh, let's go ahead and put an end to Hogan mania, Hulkamania. He is a right-handed Tim Tebow. Uh, who knows if he can play the outfield, but the New York Mets might give him a chance. But he is uh, not quality starting quarterback material, and that was pretty obvious. Uh, yesterday. And finally, we'll end on the Joe Thomas rumors. Another year of Joe Thomas rumors. And it's interesting. It's kind of a 50-50 split right now. Uh, when you look on Twitter, there's many people who uh, don't want him traded, want him to retire. Um, on the new CLE for me site that launched today, again, uh, that is CLE for me, the letter or the number four um, dot com. You can look that up. That is uh, my site. I am now a publisher for Scout Media. And so we launched the site today. There's an article there by The Real Bob Evans. You can check him out on Twitter at that Twitter handle, at The Real Bob Evans. And Bob talks all about the all the rumors that, uh, with Joe and, and why the Browns shouldn't trade him. That the only time Joe Thomas should put on something besides a Browns uniform is when he's putting on that golden Hall of Fame jacket. So there's 50% of people who kind of think that way, either because of loyalty to Joe and the loyalty that he's shown or the reality of, of trying to replace him with a second-round pick, which is kind of the rumor today. Um, why trade someone who you're going to have to spend that pick or more to find his replacement the following year? And the other side, the other 50%, is all about doing right by Joe, which is an interesting concept for a fan base uh, that seems should generally care about their team doing well, that 
the value of, for Joe Thomas to be able to play for a winner because of all the dedication that he's had to the team seems to to be valued higher than the team actually being competitive. I get it. I think it's it shows a sign of respect for Joe that fans were are willing to kind of put the the benefits of the team aside to benefit a player who has just been dedicated to the team, always a company man, always works hard, hasn't missed a snap, even when he's dealing with MCL injuries and, and other things. Joe has just been that that professional, uh, which has been something exciting uh, for fans. And so half the fans just don't want him to be traded for a variety of reasons. The other half um, want to trade him for him. There's a few people that want more picks. Whatever, we'll put those off to the side. For me, obviously, if Joe Thomas says, I want to be traded, I think the Browns, uh, hopefully he would do that privately, and I think he would. The Browns should try to trade him. I think that's a respectful thing to do for a player who's been so dedicated and, and played the company role so well. On the other hand, as you look at the Browns trying to develop, they're most likely going to draft a quarterback in this upcoming draft, or they're going to try to develop Cody Kessler. Either way, you need a left tackle who can protect the quarterback because you don't want that quarterback getting shell-shocked. And so even with Joe Thomas, the Browns' offensive line has not looked good this year. As you can see with all of the quarterbacks, let's start with RG3, Josh McCown, Charlie Whitehurst, Cody Kessler, all injured behind that offensive line. So if you want to develop a quarterback, if you want to have a quarterback of the future, whether again, whether that's Kessler or whether that's Deshaun Watson, Deshaun Kaiser, Mitch Trubisky, whoever that person might be, you need an offensive line that can protect him and keep him from um, kind of becoming what David Carr was for the Houston Texans. And so for that reason and that reason alone, unless it's a first and kind of trade for Joe Thomas, whatever that and is, needs to be something of value, fourth round pick, third round pick, whatever. Unless it's a first and, Joe Thomas is not being traded off of my team, even though I think he's taken a pretty significant step back this season and even some of last season, possibly due to injury, possibly due to age, possibly due to motivation. I still wouldn't trade him for anything less than a first and Again, whether that's a young player, a third-round pick, a fourth-round pick, somewhere in that area, that is my price for all-pro Joe. Nothing less. What about you, Browns fans? Again, you can get, you can get a hold of me on Twitter at Jared K. Mueller, at J-A-R-E-D-K-M-U-E-L-L-E-R. You can see all of my Browns writing on theobr.com, or you can check out everything related to Cleveland, Ohio State sports. I even have a piece up about professional wrestling and how it can kind of make it come back into the mainstream on the CLE for me. That's CLEforme.com. That was just unveiled today. There's a piece up about the site, what it's going to look like. Uh, There's my piece about wrestling. There's a piece from Bob Evans about the Joe Thomas trade. And we have a bunch of other things that will go up in the next day or so. Again, check me out on Twitter. I'll be all over Cleveland tomorrow preparing for uh, what is being called Clevesmas. I don't know if I like it so much. Not not really that creative, but uh, just an exciting day in the sports world as as the Cavs get their ring and the banner goes up and the Cleveland Indians open the World Series at home. Game one, as they look to end that long four-month drought that Cleveland has had to endure since the Cavs won their title. And then for our Browns, 
there is next year. There's a bunch of picks, and there's a bunch of young players developing. I think we can see it, but a game like Sunday makes it more difficult. And no, Kevin Hogan is not one of those players. Thanks for stopping by this Locked on Browns podcast. Again, I am your host, Jared Mueller. Thanks for being here. We'll see you tomorrow, and go Browns.